0: Lord Jesus, we do not always understand your ways because your ways are higher than ours. And we don't always understand the way you think because you think differently than we do. Lord, we ask that you'd open your scripture to us tonight. Help us to learn from it. Teach us to be as creative and as out of the box as you are so that we can look more like you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. When I was in... Seminary at Princeton. I took Greek one summer here at Seattle at Seattle Pacific University Thinking that I could transfer the credits when I got back But when I got back to Princeton the registrar said no, you can't transfer the credits You're you're gonna have to take Greek over again. And I said, but I already know Greek And I don't want to take it over again. Believe me. It wasn't that fun the first time I don't want to repeat it and she said well, that's the rule and I said, well, I understand that's the rule, but I'm trying to understand the reason for the rule. And she looked at me and she said, young man, the rule is the reason, and the reason is the rule. And then she paused and she said, that didn't sound very good, did it? And I said, not so much, no, not, not so much good, no. In the end, I, I got to transfer the credits. But that phrase, the rule is the reason, and the reason is the rule, I think would sum up how a lot of people view Christians and the church, and Jesus, that Christians are just a bunch of rule conscious status quo keeping stay within the lines kind of a people, and that Christianity is all about just kind of staying in the box, staying inside the rules, which makes following Jesus sort of unappealing, because it makes it sound dull and uncreative and conventional, and not a lot of people want to be conventional. And I don't exactly understand where this stereotype comes from, because if you look at the Jesus of Scripture, the real Jesus, not the plastic Jesus, he never stayed within any of the lines that anybody drew for him. As we heard just in the Scripture that we read, where where Jesus is flaunting the religious traditions of his day, where he's hanging out with all the wrong people, and where he is he's breaking the Sabbath laws. Far from being conventional, Jesus... Was a scandal. In fact, I often joke with people that I don't think very many churches would hire Jesus to be part of their staff because he'd be too radical. As you know, we're doing a search for a youth pastor, and can you imagine the chaos that would ensue if we actually hired Jesus for that position? I mean, you know, at some point he might turn on the congregation and call them a brood of vipers or turn water into wine on the retreat. You know, I mean. <laughs> I'd have to pull him aside. Jesus, you can't do that. Stop. We're Presbyterians. You know, no. It'd be a management nightmare. Because he just doesn't play by the rules. Now, I I need to say, at no point does Jesus ever do anything immoral. He never sins. And he never says that rules and traditions are bad. He's not an anarchist. It's just that he always placed God's agenda and human need above rules and customs and traditions. And that really got on people's nerves, especially religious people, because he just colored outside the lines. And he did so in at least two ways. And I know that according to sort of Presbyterian custom, I'm supposed to have three points in every sermon, but I only have two. So I'm going to color outside the lines tonight. First way Jesus did this is he colored outside the lines because he was always doing a new thing. He was always doing a new thing. One of the controversies he sets off here is about tradition, because he doesn't fast as much as the religious people thought he should have. Now, the law only required one fast a year, but the religious folks had piled on all kinds of other fast days to go along with that. In fact, they fasted almost twice a week just to kind of show off their holiness which, of course, completely destroyed the true meaning of fasting, which is meant to be a vehicle to connect us to God. And Jesus just refuses to play into those conventions. Instead, he offers them this interesting metaphor. He says new wine demands new wine skins. And what he means is that new wine is potent stuff. It's still fermenting. It's still giving off gases. And if you put that in an old, brittle, inflexible wine skin, it'll break the wine skin open. And what Jesus is saying is that sometimes God does a new thing and that a new outpouring of God's spirit demands new ways of doing things. In other words, change. Now, I know that this is a potentially dangerous point for the new guy to be making because whenever a new pastor comes, there's always a little bit of anxiety about, well, you know, what, what what's he going to do? You know? And I, you know, I can kind of guess some of the conversations that have been going on. I, I know what you all have been saying. You know, around the dinner table. Well, what do you think he's gonna do? Well, I don't know. Well, what do you think he's gonna change? I don't know. You know he's from California, that can't be a good thing, right? I mean <laughs> you have crazy ideas down there. What do you think is what do you think is gonna happen? I don't know. I don't know what he'll change. I know this though. He's gonna talk faster than Dick did, I'm sure of that. <laughs> I know what you all have been saying. So let me reassure you, I'm not about to announce some major new thing. This Sermon isn't a prelude to some major announcement about a new thing that we're going to do, so everyone can just kind of relax. It's going to be okay. This just happens to be the text I'm preaching on today, and if I'd planned it better back in December, I'd have skipped it altogether, but here we are. So I'm not announcing anything new. In fact, I'll go one step further. I don't want to change anything while I'm here. I don't want to change a thing. God, on the other hand may have a few new things He wants us to do. Because He always does. In the book of Isaiah, God says, Behold, a new thing I will do. Because He's a God of change. He's a dynamic God. Jesus Himself is the best example of this. Where God makes this radically new covenant with us. This new testament. Where now we don't relate to God through sacrifices or ceremonies, but through Jesus. That was a new thing. Now, this doesn't mean that God is capricious. Some some things never change. God's character never changes. God's moral law never changes. But His ceremonial law does. That is, how we worship Him, that's changed. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that changed. Throughout church history, that's changed. The ministries that God calls us to change. How we do those ministries change. Because God does new things. The, The very building we're sitting in is an example of this. You know, a few years back, God called this congregation to expand. And so you all built a new building. That's a new thing that God did. God does new things. And when he does, we have to be flexible. Otherwise, we'll just get torn apart like an old wineskin. The last dying words of any institution, be it a business or a church, the last dying words, we've never done it that way before. Right before I left Menlo Park, one of the new things that God was calling us to do was to offer our church for one month out of the year as part of a rotating homeless shelter. Now, y'all have been doing that for a long time, but for us down there, that was a new concept. And there was some friction over that. There was some we've never done it that way before kind of talk. But the results of it were just amazing because we had all these volunteers and, and their faith just grew by leaps and bounds. And the church was blessed and the homeless people were blessed because God did a new thing. God may want to do a new thing in our personal lives. He he may call us on a short-term mission trip or to lead a high school Bible study or simply to spend a a few minutes every day in quiet meditation. He may want to do a new thing. Who knows? I, I was talking to a friend of mine this week who's a student up at Regent Seminary. And he's taking a class up there that's called Reading the Bible with the Damned. And what they do is they go and they read scripture with, with homeless people or, or prostitutes or prisoners or HIV patients. And he said it's, it's just opened the scriptures up to him in a whole new way. Because to, to read a familiar passage like, come unto me all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Or once you were no people, but now you are God's people. To read a familiar passage like that with a a prisoner just opens up the meaning of the gospel all the more, and his life is being changed because God has done a new thing. Jesus colors outside the lines by doing new things, and we need to be ready. The second way that Jesus colored outside the lines is that he always obeyed the spirit of a rule, but he didn't always obey the letter of the rule. And you see this in regards to the Sabbath laws. The Sabbath was meant to be this, this this weekly time for people to rest and reconnect with God and reconnect with each other. But again, the religious folk had piled all kinds of rules on top of it. All kinds of silly rules, like things like, it was okay to spit on a rock on the Sabbath, but you couldn't spit on the ground on the Sabbath. Because if you spit on the ground, that made mud. And you used mud to make mortar, and you use mortar to make bricks, and so it was really work. So you couldn't spit on the ground. They had hundreds of rules like this. Was it okay? To, is it okay to clean my dentures on the Sabbath? In case you're wondering, the answer is no, you can't. They had all these rules. And so this thing that was meant to be this, this relief and this nurturing of human beings became this burden. And so when Jesus heals on the Sabbath or picks wheat on the Sabbath, the religious folks just had a conniption fit. Because technically it was work and that violated the letter of the law. But what Jesus does is to point them back to the spirit of the law. He says the Sabbath was made for people. People weren't made for the Sabbath. And that it's meant to provide for human need, for rest and reconnection with God. So if you're hungry on the Sabbath, pick some wheat and eat it. Because that will refresh you. And that's the point of the Sabbath. He says even David did it. It's okay. If someone is sick on the Sabbath, heal them. Because that's the spirit of the Sabbath. Refreshment, restoration. It's God's agenda and human need that counts. The spirit of the law matters more than the letter of the law. There's a pastor in California named Ray Stedman. He tells a story about being at a very conservative Christian college. And he was speaking. And while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit really just kind of let loose. And students were renewing their faith. They were they were going to each other, people that they'd hurt and confessing and reconciling. And, I mean, these all kinds. Of, they were you know, they were hugging each other. All kinds of great stuff were going was going on. And in the middle of this, the, the leader of the dorm came to Ray and he said, "Well, it's time to stop the meeting." And Ray said, "Are you kidding? Look what God is doing." He said, "Well, it's eleven o'clock and the rules of the school are lights out at eleven. That's the rule." And Ray said, "We can't. Po- look, God is moving." He said, "Well, that's the rule." So Ray came up with this great idea. He sent one of his associates out to argue with the guy for an hour or so, just to kind of keep him busy while the meeting was going on. It's the spirit of the law that counts. Rules are good. I'm not saying that rules are bad. They're good. They help us order our lives. They give us direction on how to live. But it's the spirit of the rules that counts, not the letters. Let me give you an example. I should, if I'm driving down the freeway, I should obey the speed limit laws. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying I should. But if it's June and my wife is in the late stages of labor, as could happen, I probably ought to step on it, don't you think? Because the spirit of the speed limit laws are meant to keep us safe and to protect us. And in that instance, the safe and protecting thing to do would be to get my wife to the hospital, especially for my sake, don't you think? It's the spirit of the law that counts. And when rules begin to strangle God's agenda or human need, that's when we need to begin to rethink Reevaluate, amend, modify, reinterpret. Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, wait, wait, that doesn't sound right. Are you saying that we can then just cast off everything, just do whatever we want, just, hey, I'm free in the Spirit? No, no, of course not. In most matters, God is clear what he wants us to do. God's moral law is clear and unchanging. It's not as if tomorrow morning adultery and murder are going to be okay because God's going to do a new thing. You know, no. In most instances, God's commandments are very clear. But there are occasions where it's not clear, where there are extenuating circumstances, or where the spirit of the law is more important than the letter of the law. And in those situations, the only way to figure out what to do The only way to figure out what the right thing to do is, is to stick close to Jesus. He's the only one that understands the real meaning of the rules, the real meaning of the laws. And in unclear cases, we have to stick close to Jesus. Pray diligently. Search the scriptures for insights. Seek the counsel of other Christians. And pray over and over again. One of the great insights the Protestant Reformation had was this thing called freedom in the spirit. And that is that we are led by Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit in us and not by rules or a list of of customs or conventions. We follow a creative, dynamic, out-of-the-box God who may, from time to time, call us to color outside the lines. Down in San Jose, there was a church that had an adult bookstore open up right next door to them. And the church was understandably sort of horrified by this. And it was all the worse because the the, the, the zoning laws of that neighborhood prohibited uh, the, the store from being there in the first place. Now, the conventional way you handle these sorts of things is you get a lawyer and you go to city hall and you picket and you protest. But the pastor didn't want to do things that way. So through praying and through reading scripture, through asking what Jesus would do through the counsel of his elders, he came up with this unusual idea. He decided that he would go into that adult bookstore every day at noon and have lunch with the owner. Now, as a pastor, I can't imagine doing that. I mean, what would you all think? You know, my reputation. I mean, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that out of the box yet. And, you know, and he didn't look at anything. He didn't buy anything. And he had people that were holding him accountable to that. But he went in every day and he had lunch with his owner. And over the course of time, the owner became convinced that there were better ways to make a living, and so he sold the shop. Now that was out of the box. That was coloring outside the lines. And because they colored outside the lines, a soul was saved. And they still got to the desired conclusion. The store was closed down. I have another pastor friend of mine. He's in his 20s, and he got concerned that people his age that all they seemed to be doing was hanging out in singles bars, And, and and he was worried about that, and he couldn't convince them to come to church, so he decided that he was going to go to them. And so he got a group of people together, and what they would do is, they would go, they picked every Thursday night, they'd go into this singles bar, and they'd order themselves up a Diet Coke, and they'd sit around, and they'd talk about God with anyone who would listen. It was this great ministry. They called it Theology on Tap. It was this wonderful outreach program. And they were able to attract all kinds of people to this conversation. And, you know, it raised a few eyebrows in the church that he was a part of. But what a great way to color outside the lines. I think this is a message this church understands. I think the very existence of this church is testimony to the fact that this, there's an entrepreneurial spirit here. Someone was telling me that, that 50 years ago, when a group of people went to the Seattle Presbytery and said, we think we need to start a church in Bellevue, the Seattle Presbytery said no. And they said, well, who would want to go to church in Bellevue when you can go to Seattle? You know, that was kind of the the attitude. But because of those of you who were there in those early years, because you persisted, because you prayed, because you colored outside the lines, because you allowed God to do a new thing, here we are. And, and thank you for doing that because a lot of people now know Jesus because y'all persisted and you had an entrepreneurial spirit and you allowed God to do a new thing. When it comes to saving human souls, Jesus just colors outside the lines. A few years ago, Apple Computer ran an ad campaign, and some of you might remember it. It was called Think Different. And they'd show a picture of a famous person who had thought out of the box, you know, Martin Luther King or Einstein or whatever. And and the caption right next to that picture would say, think different, which always drove me crazy because according to the rules of grammar, it should have been think differently. It's an adverb, but what can I say? It was Apple, you know. And in this campaign, they pictured all kinds of famous people who thought differently. But they never pictured Jesus which I thought was a huge mistake. Because of all the people in history who who thought out of the box, who stepped out of the lines of tradition and convention and rules, Jesus just tops the list. I mean, this radical, crazy, scandalous idea that God came up with that he would come to us in human form, be born in a barn and die a criminal's death just so that we could know him. That breaks every rule. That breaks every rule of decorum and convention and just plain old common sense. To so The last thing a God should do is to send that low just to save a wretch like you, just to save a wretch like me. It breaks all the rules in a glorious kind of way, don't you think? We follow a risen, living, scandalous, crazy God who breaks the rules, colors outside the lines, leaves the 99 sheep to go find the one, runs to the prodigal son, not the good elder brother, just to get to you and just to get to me. And he is our guide. And he is our vision. Not some custom, convention, or rule. And our response is two things to allow Him to do a creative new thing in our lives so that we can know Him. And if He calls us to color outside the lines with our neighbors, with our friends, with our time, with our enemies, color outside the lines so that other people can know the life-saving love of Jesus Christ. Think different. Our Savior does. So should we. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you just think so differently than we do. Lord, I ask that you help us to do the same in our homes, with our time, with our neighbors, in our church. Lord, make us as creative as you are and lead us in this. And Lord, because if we try to do it, we'll just, we'll just mess it up. So Lord, you be our vision, you be our guide, you be our leader. We will follow you and give you all the glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.